Hello, I'm Father John Horgan, pastor of Saints Peter and Paul Parish in Vancouver, Canada, and welcome to our series, The Angels of God. In this series, we're talking about the powers and gifts of the holy angels and the help that they bring to us in our spiritual lives. In our last program, we spoke about the angels as messengers of God's grace. The angels contemplate the face of God and they bring to us, they share with us, the richness of their understanding of the beauties, the perfections, and the attributes of God. These gifts are shared with us in our daily lives. And in the lives of the saints, we can see how very explicitly the Lord has given these graces when he's entrusted messages to his angels so that the church might grow in understanding and in hope of all that Christ has revealed to us. St. Joan of Arc experienced messages from St. Michael the Archangel. And many centuries before her life, St. Gregory the Great saw a vision of the Archangel Michael standing above what is now called the Castle of the Holy Angel in Rome. A plague had been raging through the city, and many had died. The Pope had undertaken a procession of penance, carrying the icon of Our Blessed Lady, believed to be painted by St. Luke. When the procession reached the bridge in front of the castle, which was formerly called the Tomb of Hadrian, the Pope saw St. Michael standing above the castle with a sword in his hand. When the archangel sheathed the sword, the Pope realized that the prayers of the church had been heard and the plague came to an end. The messages of the angels may be stupendous ones with a very important and public impact like this one, but the messages that the angels give to us are often simply the enlightenments of prayer. They may be a word of comfort or encouragement. They may turn us to our neighbor so that we can assist them in our needs. In this way, the angels direct us to be faithful to God and to accomplish his holy will. The angels are also stewards, stewards of God's many gifts. They protect not only individuals, but also all of creation. St. Francis de Sales believed that an angel watched over every diocese, every religious order, and every family. Perhaps as part of our prayer, we could invoke the angel of our local church so that our diocese or archdiocese might grow in faith and in hope and in love, so that we might become indeed a church of zeal and devotion, welcoming all who come to us and sharing the abundance of the gifts of Christ's heart, his graces, his truth, his salvation. The angels are also warriors. They defend us from evil. They protect us, and they help the light of faith within us to grow. We should invoke them often when we find ourselves in trial or in temptation, and we should also pray to them especially that the gifts of faith, hope, and love might increase in us. St. Augustine spoke of these virtues in reference to the three persons of the Trinity attributing faith to the Father, hope to the Son, and love to the Holy Spirit.
We can ask the angels to be with us when we pray for these gifts and to help us to see more clearly the beauty and majesty of the Holy Trinity in all that we do. The next aspect of the angelic life that I want to speak to you about today is precisely that of the angels as guardians. Guardians, as we said last week, the, the role of the guardian angel begins with birth and continues to our death. The angel is our faithful companion, and even if we fall into sin, serious sin, the angel does not leave us, but continues to try to inspire us to turn away from sin. He may do this interiorly by speaking to our heart, to our soul. He may also do this through the aid and assistance of other people and the circumstances of our lives, especially if we've become hardened to inspirations. The angels never give up. And so their care is a model to us for the love that we should show towards those who have fallen away from the faith, given up the practice of the sacraments, or turned away from God. Angels are completely faithful, and so they inspire us to be faithful too. Our guardian angels' duties and responsibilities encompass all the aspects of human life. Our spiritual lives, our temporal lives, our physical and mental health and well-being, as well as all the other souls to whom we relate on a daily basis, as well as keeping watch to over our material possessions. It's believed that the guardian angels receive graces from the higher choirs so that they might shed light on us, so that they might give us strength from God, so that they might increase faith, hope, and charity in our hearts, so that from the depths of our souls we can respond to God with a total act of confidence and love in daily life. Now, our response to the angels, our response to their guardianship, is threefold. First, we have to be silent interiorly in order to hear them, to be aware of them. And in our world in which there is so much noise, so many voices clamoring for our attention and our allegiance, we have to learn to discern the voice of God and the voice of the angel who speaks to us to encourage us. When we practice this interior silence, then we can listen. We can listen to the words that the angel speaks and so come to obey his commands. Silence, listening, obedience. This is how we honor the angels. This is how we cooperate with them so that we can collaborate with them, so that we can engage in the mission of the church. St. Bernard of Clairvaux and St. Aloysius Gonzaga in their writings speak about the importance of reverence, honor, and trust in our friendship with the angels. Friendship. We are called to an intimate life of friendship with the holy angels, particularly with our guardian angel, for he is with us always. And his whole desire is to see in us the presence, the reflection of Christ, the beauties and the perfections of God made man. He wants us to be totally transformed into Christ.
So when we pray to the angels, when we ask their help, we must remember that the most important things we can ask for are the gifts of faith and love. Faith and love. These are prayers that God always answers. God wants our faith to grow and increase. So every day we should pray very simply, Lord, I believe. Increase my faith. And we can pray for an increase of love. Love for God and love for neighbor. When we stop to think about it, really, everything else is secondary. Everything else is negotiable. The circumstances of our life may be very favorable, or the cross may loom large in our eyes and weigh upon our hearts. But if we have faith in God, if we have love for God and for our neighbor, if we accept the will of God in our daily life, then everything is made easy for us. Everything is possible. And so to ask the angel to pray with us for these gifts is extremely important, the most important thing of all. The angels show their guardianship in so many different ways. In my life as a priest, on many different occasions, I've had very real proof, evidence for me of the presence of the holy angels, especially when I was caring for the sick and dying as a hospital chaplain. On one occasion, I was attending to a man who was not a Catholic, but whose wife, his first wife, had been a very devout Catholic. And even after their marriage came to an end, she never stopped praying for her husband. And she remembered, she relied on a promise that he had made to her, that he would be baptized before he died. Her life was a very difficult one, but she persevered in her faith, in her trust in God, and she raised her children with a profound faith too, even though there were many times that that faith was shaken by the sufferings that she endured. When her husband became ill with cancer, his second companion left him, and he was alone. And the faithful wife came to his side, and she watched over him in the hospital, visited him, brought their now adult children, and did all in her power to comfort his last days and to bring him to a better sentiment of faith. But still he refused the sacrament of baptism. I went to visit him regularly, but I had no luck either. But she said to me, Father, I'm praying to his guardian angel and to my guardian angel. I'm sure he will be baptized. One Sunday morning, I went to visit the man and found him very agitated. I spoke to him and asked once more, will you be baptized and accept the grace of Christ? You know that the Lord has been calling for you all these years, and you've seen the evidence of his love in the faithfulness and devotion of your good wife. Finally, the man said, yes, Father. I know what I've done. I know how I've lived. I'm sorry for everything. And I ask the Lord's forgiveness. I want to be baptized. I began to prepare the ritual and the oils and the holy water for baptism. But as I was about to begin the shortened form of the ritual which we use for someone who is in hospital, unmistakably I heard a voice within my mind that said, Now. 
And so, without any further ado, I took the water in a small medicine cup, poured it on the man's forehead, saying the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And before I could say Amen, he died. It was immediately apparent to me that without a sigh, he had simply gone to God. The nurses and the doctors and his family were amazed by this, but what tremendous consolation they had because this man, with his last breath, had accepted the grace that his wife had implored for so many years, and the angel had led him safely to paradise. We'll be back in just a few moments. Oh, St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt before the throne of God, I place in thee all my interests and desires. Do thou, O St. Joseph, assist me by thy powerful intercession, and obtain for me, from my divine Son, all spiritual blessings, through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that, having engaged here below thy heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating thee, and Jesus asleep in thy arms. I dare not approach while he reposes so near thy heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me, and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for me. It's fun. It's free. It's Wings, EWTN's weekly e-newsletter delivered to your inbox free each week. Read about upcoming special programming. And learn what's new at EWTN, radio, TV, and Internet. Just send an email to radio at EWTN.com. Be sure to put Wings in the subject line. Wings, a free service from your friends at the Global Catholic Network, EWTN. If you would like to write to us at EWTN, we would love to hear from you. Our address is EWTN, 5817 Old Leeds Road, Irondale, Alabama, 35210. Or check out our website at www.ewtn.com. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour, because he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done great things to me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is from generation unto generations to them that fear him. He hath shown might with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the conceit of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the lowly. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath received Israel his servant, being mindful of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Amen. 
join us for the Daily Mass, celebrated each day here on EWTN. Welcome back. The story that I just told you occurred in the very first years of my priesthood, and it has always marked me with a tremendous trust in the care of the angels and in their fidelity. Over and over again, in caring for the dying, in speaking to them about heaven, I saw how the mention of the angels brought consolation and peace even to those who had been far away from the church for many, many years, those who had very little knowledge of their faith. In many cases, the holy angels had remained fixed in their minds and hearts and present in the experiences and events of their lives as protectors, even when they were far from God. But it was clear from the conversations that I had with those men and women and their sufferings that the angels had not taken them to themselves. The angels were always directing them to the Lord and back to the sacraments, back to the life of grace. It's very important for us to pray for those who are sick and for the dying and ask that their guardian angels be given the power, the strength, the grace to enlighten these suffering souls and to bring them to Christ to help them find in our Lord's sufferings meaning and significance for their own pains, for their own illness, and also to help them in this way to atone and so grow in grace and in love so that they might enter heaven rejoicing with the company and companionship of the holy angel who had been their protector their whole life long. Every year I offer a Mass asking that the guardian angels of all my parishioners might be strengthened in their charge, in their works, so that minds and hearts might be open to God's love. And in speaking especially to doctors and nurses, to those who care for sick loved ones at home, I always remind them of the presence of the holy angels. Oftentimes, we can call upon the angels very simply to bring their peace, their serenity, they're calm into situations of sorrow, pain, challenge by praying the holy, holy, holy of the Mass. And as we pray that prayer, we ask the angels to fill us with the praise of God. If you stop to imagine the universe filled with angels, the stewards of the cosmos, the stewards of God's creation, and think of them shouting from one star to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of angel armies. That's the real meaning of the word Sabaoth, or Lord of hosts, the armies of the angels. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We take those words which were spoken by the crowds at Jerusalem when Jesus entered the city on Palm Sunday. We speak about them and praise our Lord. But also, if we stop to ponder, to meditate on those words, we realize that in our lives, the angel bears the name of the Lord to us. He bears his presence. And why? 
so that you and I, in turn, might bring the name, the presence, the power of Jesus into our world and into the lives of others. And we are truly blessed because we have been given this mission as Catholics to go in the name of the Lord, to cooperate with the Lord in the work of salvation, to stand by the side of the angels, accomplishing the will of God, building up the church, and bearing to others the graces that Jesus has won for us by his passion and death. You see, prayer with the angels leads us to a deeper spirit of adoration. And adoration, as I have said before, is the angel's primary work. Every angel adores the Lord with the very depth, in the very depths and essence of his being. Now, the essence of their happiness, their beatitude, consists of four things. First, seeing God face to face. Second, loving him with the very love that he has for himself. Third, possessing him in the joy of this love. And fourth, all of this will be without end. All of this will be an everlasting joy, an everlasting possession of God. But the marvel is that not only do the angels possess these four happinesses, but these happinesses are meant for you and for me. This will be the life of heaven for each one of us. When we come to heaven, faith is replaced by sight. Hope is replaced by possession. But charity, the charity, divine love, the love with which God loves himself, will be shared with us. And so the life that we will have in paradise is a life beyond all words. That's why descriptions of heaven often speak in terms that may seem strange to us now, even childlike, streets paved with gold, angels in long white robes. How can we express the beauty, the purity, the power of the presence of God, the order, the harmony, the delight that will be ours when we see the Lord face to face, when we adore him without end? and find ourselves in the company of the angels and saints and experience in this beatific vision the order, the sense, the harmony, the interconnectedness of God's plan and the life of grace, not only within ourselves, but in the lives of all others who are there present. For we will be in communion with them even as we adore the Lord face to face. We begin this life of the blessed on earth here. We do so by adoration. Adoration of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. An adoration which fills our hearts, our very being, with delight. The time that we spend with the Lord as we pray, particularly before the Eucharist, is a time which likens us to Christ. For the final model of our adoration is always Jesus himself. Jesus, who is the adorer of his Father in spirit and in truth. In the 19th century, there was a French woman whom we know today as Blessed Marie of Jesus, Deluil Martini, 
the foundress of a small community of sisters dedicated to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Before founding her community, she had several experiences in prayer, inspirations in which the Lord spoke to her about adoration, and she came to understand the particular work entrusted to her community. At one point, Jesus said to her, Do you know what it really is to adore? I am the one who truly adores. I adore my Father in spirit and in truth. I am sovereign beauty. If we are called to adoration in imitation of Jesus, adoration of his heavenly Father and of his will, then we must remember that Christ who answered freely will give us the grace to do so also. Christ answered his Father's call with his will, with his intellect, and with his body. And that is the kind of adoration that we practice. Our adoration of God must be a free act, an act of free love, generous love. And to our adoration we bring our mind with our imagination so that we ponder the truths of Jesus, his teachings in the Holy Scripture, the mysteries of our faith, and thus our faith is enriched and grows deeper, stronger, and more filled with heavenly light. We bring to our adoration our free will so that we make acts of hope and of love. We put all our trust in the Lord and in his power to save and sanctify us. We bring to our adoration our body because we are human persons, not angelic ones, and so our body too expresses our adoration as we kneel, as we fold our hands, as we express physically our total surrender to the Lord and say to Him, Here I am, Lord. I come to do Your will. I come to adore You in the most blessed sacrament. I come to discover the will of your Father for me. Send me, Lord. Make me ready to fulfill your mission, and in ways great and small, teach me to love you today. So when we make a holy hour before the Blessed Sacrament, we should begin with an act of humility, an act of contrition, an act of truthful and trustful submission to God. When we ask for His help in this way, we become aware of our total dependence on God, and so our prayer becomes the rich and beautiful expression of a soul united to the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sanctifier, the Most Holy Trinity. Next week, we'll continue to speak about adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and of the Divine Will and begin to speak, too, of the message that the angel gave to the children at Fatima. I'm Father John Horgan. Thank you for being with us, and we hope to see you again next time on Angels of God.